1: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out
2: there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And with the Lakers season effectively ending, the pod's going to transition more to kind of a hybrid, especially while the playoffs are going on. And in some ways, I'm quite excited about this because this Lakers team in particular was bad at some very basic parts of basketball that if you have kind of I think we're all like this in that we have two loyalties and that we have our Lakers loyalties but we also have basketball loyalties we love the game we love how it's played and we really appreciate when it's played well and we saw very little good basketball this season with the Lakers and so being able to look around the league at the the playoffs and I really want to hit these playoffs hard, guys. Like, I really want to uh, get into to the different series and whatnot. As we're recording this, we're recording this on Thursday morning, and it's going to be released on Friday morning. So there's a game between the Bucks and Celtics tonight that I think will determine uh, probably the two seed out east. And so we do not have that information as we're talking here. But, Mike, this is something where I think, aside from Phoenix, I, I don't know. Let me let me leave it up open to you, Mike. When you look at the playoff landscape that's coming up, what stands out to you?
3: Well, how many different teams can win the title? I think is the first is the first point because that is not a typical thing. Usually I'll have about two or three teams, and you've got something's gotta go wrong for me to buy that anybody else can win the title. But we did, I was doing the Spectrum Studio show last night. It first of all, shout out to Allie Clifton because she argued on the air for a a hotel room of 78 degrees um at a minimum now i go 67 which i get is a little bit cool but she's like nope 78 and so i put up the poll on my ig and i and at the time let's see the last time i checked it oh wow okay She got she got eight percent. That was actually higher than it was. It was at four percent for most of the time. I had 67 (laughs) versus 78. But I was like, that is a bold take. The only other person I know that likes it that toasty is Michael Thompson. And he from the Bahamas, Darius. Right. 78's warm.
4: That's warm, Mike. That's like, okay. I'm ready to wear shorts in my hotel room. And if that's the vibe, shouts to Ali. If that's the vibe, look,
3: I'm not going to yuck anyone else's yum.
2: Very different Midwestern approach, um, you know, mid- know, Midwestern expat approach than you might. It's
3: like if she were from South Florida or something, but she's not. But anyway, and by the way, 67 for me is shorts and a T-shirt, as you can see right now, which is, sure, which is yes. what I meant. Now, the reason I brought that up is we had to do our top five teams heading into the postseason. And I had a real hard time getting to five. In fact, I what I wanted to do was seven, basically. And and so I'm I'm curious if you guys. And so this is how I had. I had ranked them as kind of the wild card. Um, I had, I had Miami just outside of that group, just because I I think their actual title winning ceiling. I I haven't loved Butler this year, who who I've always really loved as a player. Um, He's taken a step back, although he's picking it up a little and they've really had to depend on Tyler Harrell um, in big moments. And I just, again, I don't think you can get through the whole East doing that, let alone the finals, but they're right on the outside looking in and I wouldn't be shocked. Then the two teams right in front of them, are Memphis and Golden State. And this is all depending on Steph Curry and John Morant, And they're both supposed to be back, right? Their teams say to start the first round, but is that going to be if one of them isn't and or just gets hurt again, right? That sort of takes those teams out of the real contention. And that leaves four teams. And the fourth, I think, is one that not as many people have, but I think to me is pretty clear, and that's Dallas. Uh, they're 50 and 30. They were like 15 and 17. And they have been absolutely dominant. Luca has been terrific. Kid has everybody playing defense Uh, they're, They still don't have that kind of bullseye on them because people didn't see them as a real title contender before the season. So I've got them four, and then the three, two, one, I'm sorry, Pete, Boston is three. I know we're certainly hoping that something goes wrong, but they too are 50 and 30 after starting slow um, and have been playing terrific, even though the whole Robert Williams thing, and that leaves Milwaukee and Phoenix. And so, I don't have Phoenix as this, uh, my, this just complete juggernaut like they've been in the regular season. I think they're going to be challenged. Uh, we can get into that if you guys want, but that's the initial way that I'm thinking. And I'm I, do, I have some teams outside of that that I'm not considering, like like Philly, you know, Toronto, Chicago, uh, Utah, certainly not, and then Dallas. Uh, excuse me, not Dallas. Um, Denver. I just Jokic just doesn't have enough help. Minnesota not quite ready. You know, Clippers without Kawhis, but. Did you guys have, for that those seven teams that I mentioned, is there any one that you think is definitely out? Or is there a team that I didn't put in that seven that you would have definitely in?
2: I, I think that's about right. The one that strikes me the most is like if we're talking title contender like I wouldn't have Memphis in there I think they're an example of a young team that took a a great leap forward this year but part of their win total is the ability to play hard and focused every night as good upcoming internally motivated young teams do but once the playoffs roll around like you learn some things right this is I think this is a great transition season for them but the idea of them winning it all seems pretty far-fetched to me and they're the team that I'm rooting for right so like they're the team that i've adopted so it's nothing you know personal with them but i i, I don't see them that's my one uh the, the one thing i'd point out what about you d
4: i'm laughing because even in so mike's got seven excellent choices i think we could quibble with with memphis for sure um the the idea of youth right um the run that would the team that they would probably closest mirror um not because of how they're built, but just like that sort of step forward like this would be like, I think the 2012 thunder, right? Like the team that sort of like, Oh, okay. You're maybe you like, you got off a stop early, right? Like, like, Oh, you like, you came a little bit before I was expecting and here you are. Right. But, um, but that team had like three top four picks and Durant and like, it, it was. They were even
2: more seasoned. They had been in some battles. Yeah, they had had a couple of playoff runs before, right? They had that great series against the Lakers in That's 2010 right. that went six. I don't remember how their 2011 season went, but they were a little deeper into their story than Memphis's.
4: Yeah, and so the one team, but I'm laughing because Mike brought up so many teams. It's like, oh, I'm not including this team. I'm not including that team. I'm not including this team. And one of the teams he didn't even mention was Brooklyn. And so that was probably just an error in terms of not including them in that list of teams yes. of teams. So, I'm not including that. It wasn't there. Yes. 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 But I, I just got a good little chuckle out of that because you, you know, like a few weeks ago, I was just like, hey, man, Brooklyn kind of makes me nervous. They're kind of scary. And now I've seen more and more where they are just small. In ways that the Lakers are small. And while they have more like athleticism in certain places than the Lakers. And I like their center rotation better than I like the Lakers. It's like, well, you actually can't play all, all your guards. Like the Lakers tried to try this and it didn't work. Brooklyn's guards are better, but you still can't play that many of them at the same time and expect to be able to defend. And so they are, but I might put them in that. They might be eighth. For me on Mike's list of seven, because Dur- like Durant is still that dude who can always shove his way into a conversation. And like, oh, is it out of the question that Durant finds a way to win a playoff series and then another playoff series and then another playoff? Like, he's just that good. Otherwise, I like your list, Mike. Um, it's interesting. How many teams from the West do you guys think can actually win the
2: championship? From the West. Two and really just one, like I'm. So I've been a big fan of Dallas, yeah. Um, because I think Luca is really he's a bad man and I, like a, a superstar on ball shot creator. That has size plus a good sturdy defense. That can get you a long way. I just don't think that they have enough in the interior defensively um, to go all the way. So like they're very they're outside shot to me. But so for me, it's really only Phoenix that's the like I don't know like where are you at with Golden State, Mike? Like are, do you because they started really hot, they looked like a contender, and then it's been a rough few months for them.
3: Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge Darius's point at Brooklyn, and I think yeah, that is Kevin Durant alone gives you should give them a shot right in the title and they, they do have some other players certainly on offense and you know Kyrie has slipped some since he's been since he's had to play more than one game a week or so and he's had that full energy and <laughs> hey, man, that, I mean real I'm talk real talk faxed. that's just yeah, like I'm not insulting faxed. yeah yeah you gotta play
2: basketball to yeah
4: no yeah. I'm just saying it's much easier to take three days off right four right. days off and they'd be like hey I feel great I'm gonna yeah, come out yeah. here and bust these dudes which, with my which by legs. the way
3: is sort of I think how in hindsight, maybe the Lakers should have used White Howard this year, and you know, and even Mellow to an extent. Sure, but that that I'm being facetious. You know, that goes against my whole spirit of basketball. But anyway, so I do want to acknowledge that it's just it's just such a tough road. You know, kind of like when the Lakers, uh, the Lakers were last year, and they had LeBron and AD and that established defense. And so I just I just don't think it's going to happen. But it, there is a shot for it, and I w- I'll save Memphis. I want to. I think that'd be an interesting team for us to break down a little further because I did not initially want to put them in. Because of that very reason that you guys stated, they have never won a playoff series. But I don't know, man, they've I've just watched them so much that they've kind of won me over, and i'm I'm holding out this outside shot uh, for them to really do something special. But, yeah, it, let's you know what? let's um and to get to the other part of your question, Pete, let's do that next.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: MyPatriotSupply.com.
2: Yeah, I'm just curious your thoughts on Golden State, right? They're, yeah. They got Clay back. That was something they were really looking forward to. They did not get James Wiseman back. They did not make a move at the deadline for a big. I think they're weak in the interior. But Steph, Clay, and Draymond for the first time in a playoff series in a long time. As a basketball fan, I am very excited about that because. Yeah those are guys clay especially having playoff clay back when clay catches a heater in the playoffs man that is a sight to behold and so i'm curious if they can recapture any of that old magic but they look small to me and so like they are very low on the list that you gave to me they are toward the bottom but i'm very intrigued to see what they do so i'm curious your guys thoughts on a team that i think we thought higher of collectively earlier in the season than we do now
3: yeah, definitely not cutting him out for a title push. And, of course, a lot of that depends on Steph and Draymond's health a little bit. Like, again, like the Lakers last year where, all right, how healthy is LeBron coming off of that high ankle sprain? Is he going to be because they need him to be about 90 to 95 percent LeBron, not 70 percent, just given what the rest of the roster is and how healthy is AD? You know, and this is OK. So Draymond does not look 100 percent since he came back with the back issues and Steph isn't even back yet. So those are such major question marks but if they if they can approximate what they do then I worry less about the size with them and just sort of the way the teams are playing. Phoenix certainly would be a, the biggest problem there. But you know there's I don't think that that would be the thing that would inhibit them from winning a series against them. I think it would be the health. Mm-hmm. And to add a to add a note into this so you guys can get your Warriors takes off, which by the way I am in the Bay here at the time of recording, one of the inside jokes that we always talk about on the bus when we land in certain cities is you know what kind of planes michael thompson could fly um could he land the plane that i see over oh michael what's that plane over there oh could do you think you can get that one off the ground and then he'll go on like a five minute you know rant about it as stew chuckles and <laughs> i was trying to get him to to acknowledge and or say whether he th- whether he thinks that he could have taken a seaplane up from where we landed and then gotten to clay's house um and oh yeah 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 yeah. no that'd be no problem oh yeah 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 and he kind of explaining like oh the difference between flying a seaplane and how we could oh have you done have you done that before in a real plane no but you know but it's all it's the same it's the simulator i know i know how i could get it. come on I could, you, I could get it up there and then well, well could you swim to clay's house no i would take it right up to the dock if it's a seaplane i'm like oh the dock. Could, <laughs> So he went to Clay's house last night for dinner, um, and there's no – I have no official word if he took a seaplane, but he claims that he could. Um, so anyway, I I am not – Thank you for that,
2: Mike. Thank you for those anecdotes. They are always very much know, appreciated.
3: Look, I know you guys would enjoy that. If if you didn't, um, I apologize. I'm sure Darius will have a great metaphor for you here about Golden State um, to pull you back into the Laker film room lore. Uh, Golden State, it is about the health with these guys, and I, lo-
4: I love Michael Thompson. He, he is a joy and Treasure. a pleasure. Yes. Yes. It is about the health. It's funny, Pete, that you mentioned playoff clay. I'm not sure if we're going to see playoff clay. Sure. One of, the, one of the things that I thought made Clay Thompson so special was that everyone thinks about the offense and the offense and the offense and like, oh, game six clay. And that's always about like, oh, 36 mm-hmm. points without dribbling once, right? Is like all of this stuff. All of the lore around him is around just how explosive he is as a scorer. But what made him special was his defense, right? It was the idea that even when he – because even when he wasn't hot like that, he was locking up other guys' best perimeter player. Like he made it so that Steph didn't have to defend – the Chris Pauls and the Damian Lillards and all whatever gauntlet of guards existed in the Western Conference that was Clay and then you added that to Iguodala and then Sean Livingston and then Draymond Green and on and on and on and all of this defensive versatility and what I worry about with Clay is his defense has slipped just enough sure and his offense is so up and down now that his floor as a player overall is just lower. And so the prospects of any, of any game being a great clay Thompson game is still there, but the baseline of what he's going to give you on any given night is you have to bake in a lower level now. And so the injuries to Steph and Draymond, I think are integral to whatever their long-term prospects are, but, the ability to win four playoff series means that Clay Thompson has to raise his floor a little bit higher than what it's been. I think if understandably coming back from an Achilles injury and an
3: ACL injury, it's a great point. And I think the defense is the biggest key there. So important that you started there and then offensively, you know, Clay is not a patient person and he seems like every time that he takes the court, He wants to reclaim that game six magic. And so he's pushing and he's been pushing and we can all understand why. But, you know, that hasn't always helped the Warriors uh, down the stretch here. And I I do think they have a couple of checks for that. And the first one is Jordan Poole, um, who's been ridiculous. He averaged 25 in March on 50 percent from the field and 44 percent from three. And that's on a high volume of threes, guys. That's on nine point four threes per game, uh, which again, again, is a lot Uh, in 12 in the two april games so that to me is offensively now pool's not gonna this is the again to darius's point though so Poole can be cooking and he has been cooking but he's not clay thompson on the defensive end and so you don't get both of those things you might be able to replace some of clay's hot offense and off the dribble creation um that clay didn't have but then on the other end he's a person that it's not bad but you can target some. So I well, it's I like the Brooklyn a, problem, right, Mike? Yeah.
4: It's it's like, okay, yeah, the let's play a bunch of year. small guards. Yep. 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 And these guys yep. can
3: score, but then they're gonna get targeted on or, the other side. Or Portland's problem when they're playing, you know, McCollum and CJ together, or Utah's when they play Mitchell and Conley. Like one of my That's main right? things that I that I that I always try to point out in playoff series. So that that does exist, but they also have Otto Porter who can come in as a big wing, still knock some threes down, and then they can throw Gary Payton out there with Steph and wiggins and draymond and be a good defensive so they at least the the, what they have that the lakers haven't had this year is guys that they definitely can have come in and sort of play both ends even if they have a couple of guys that are more special so that's why i'm not counting them out as far as health goes but pete here please get in here I, i know we've monopolized this a bit
2: no 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 not at all this has been great um i to To back it up for a second, though, I think a lot of your guys' points speak to the idea that playoff basketball is fundamentally different than regular season basketball, and that's something that we see every year. but I think that going through eighty two games of a regular season league wide we can forget it just in the day to day of it, but we're entering a different like it's it's a different sport in in many ways, and one of the reasons I advocate for clay even under the current circumstances he's under, is that it's so much about mindset too. And like there are guys where you're either about it or not. You either get a little freaked out in the moment, either a little scared or a little anxious, or like the playoffs mess with guys' heads as much as anything. And one of the things I love about Clay is he's such a happy-go-lucky guy that's signing toasters and traveling the world and it's really fun personality, but he is a stone cold killer and you can't always count on like, I don't know what Jordan Poole is in the playoffs as, as great of a, a leap that he's taken. Right? They've got a few guys on their team that aren't part that, or that weren't part of their run in the mid 2010s. And so having clay as a guy that, that's been there and that has the mentality. I actually like the fact that he kind of pushed himself early to be Clay Thompson, even prematurely. That's part of what the regular season is for going that long without playing guys. Yeah. Like he had, uh, he had a short runway. You got from January until early April to get your body right after how many days did he miss? Like 900, he missed a couple of years, like two and a half seasons. And so that ramp up, I agree that his floor is lower than it's ever been. But just knowing that he's going to be about it and about the moment in the playoffs, and he's got that size. He may not be the guy that he used to be, D, but that is a significant piece in a way where if they can health-wise hold up, like, I don't know, they're they're champions. I I have a respect for it.
4: No. And even though you were talking about the Warriors right now, you also just made your argument why you're not necessarily for the Grizzlies. Right, sure. because yeah, it's
2: a learning process. Like
4: yeah. there is no replacement for experience, and experience can navigate you in ways that skill that skill can, if properly applied. But there is a learning curve in being able to apply it effectively every single night and in every situation. It's what makes LeBron Mike special to me, and why. He learned at a very early stage in his career the way to apply his skill set over the course of an 82-game season and a playoff run in order to put his team and him in contention for an NBA championship. And for a stretch there, he went to the damn finals every single year. And it's why now you instinctively trust him to do it. Every single year, like, no, 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 no one is better at this than him. And so, Pete, your point about Clay and the Warriors in general, right, when you talk about then Steph and Draymond and Iguadala, especially, and Steve Kerr. Like, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. institutional memory there and there's an understanding on how to walk the path that so many of these other teams have not had to walk before. Mm-hmm. And so let's go to break here because... There's two teams in this playoff field who walked the path to the finals last year that are probably the favorites to make it back this season. And so I'd love to circle back to the Suns and the Bucks.
3: Can we hit on the Grizzlies uh, as the young team before and then end with the with the Bucks and the Suns? We've all watched the Grizzlies a lot. So I'm what Pete said earlier is as I think sort of a a great historical take on the playoffs and what teams need to show and how they need to get to that next point. And Darius, did you bring up OKC or Pete, you brought up within
2: your, I
4: brought up the thunder as like a model for them.
2: D, have you noticed that like when you or I have a take? I think in Mike's mind, we're kind of like blended together as one person, like is the is the two basketball he, well, geeks he talks to every morning, l- right? Like longtime <laughs> listener of the pod, Mike yeah. Trudell
4: here. And so, you know, there is no escaping the LFR vibe. Like
3: we're we are now the mind meld.
4: Um, yeah, we have um, like l- a couple, yes.
2: we need a couple's name, you and I. Yeah. In, in
3: <laughs> fairness, what you do. You really do, though, slide like your like your points instead of having instead of there being a period after one of your sentences, it's it's an ellipses to the other one. And you'll just sort of pick up. So you both did talk about that. Right. It just one of you brought it up. And that's my (laughs) short term memory loss that I blame on my three children. Um, But I I, I hope it doesn't come across as rude because I mean, that's experience
2: and reps together, Mike Darius and I. You've had it with some of your you know, we're, we're getting it, the three of us now. But yeah, that's how we, you know. But yeah. good, good basketball has that flow to it.
3: I mean, it's both a compliment and also a critic, also a fair critique of my own mind, Um, you know, wanting to key in on a certain point And then the other person makes like three other points. Right.
2: Oh yeah. We do that. Like there's yeah. so many times during the pod where it's like, fuck, we've hit on you too. have hit on like five, <laughs> six different things yeah. that I want to talk about. So yeah. yeah,
3: which is, you know, all right. So here's, here's the issue. Okay. See, they lose to the Lakers. In that terrific first round series, and then they get all the way to the conference finals the next year, and lose against Dallas. That was the four uh, one they lost to Dallas, but they beat Memphis in the second round in a really tough series. That was that that was that you know grindhouse ridiculous defensive big Memphis team, and they smashed Golden. Uh, they smashed Denver in round one. Now, as you as you, I'm, I'll do this again. As you guys mentioned, you like that uh, they did not have. This Memphis team does not have quite that high pedigree, but I think that people aren't quite realizing how good Jaron Jackson Jr. has been this year and what a jump he's taken this year and how ridiculous he's been defensively. And like he's on my all-defensive first team, and he, he does all kinds of AD things where he's out on the ball and you can't dribble by him, and then all of a sudden he's back at the rim. And he's blocking a shot from the weak side. And then he's, if you try to throw it into the post, he just immediately is such a wall that somebody's throwing it back out. Like he has been one of the constants this year without John Morant to the point where they're 20 and three Incredible. without Ja, which is just ridiculous. And then I look at their roster, <clears throat> there are 13 players that I like, 13 that are absolute NBA rotation players.
2: They got a great the, front office over like, there,
3: Yeah, all the way down to you know to John Conchar and Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson, who can't get on the floor sometimes when they're fully healthy. So you know Desmond Bain is a is a plus fifteen net rating in March. Jer, uh, Jackson Junior is thirteen. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Darius is
3: throwing throwing bows into the chat, not at me, but in things that are that are fair. Yeah. And so I'm. I just I, I've kept wanting all year long, right, to talk myself out of yeah, but this doesn't happen. They're gonna run into a Luca or a Jokic or you know one of these players and have to sort of learn. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. I think they kind of learned that last year. Their collective hunger and their depth and their size is such that I'm I'm
2: really not ruling them
3: out. Uh, this what point. do you think
2: of their shot making, Mike? Because this is you saying this of all people like you making this observation really catches my eye. Um, I have my reasons why I still think that like they're not quite there. I think this may be the year before that. But you saying that really catches my ear uh, because I don't think that would be your default take with a team like them. Kind of like how you set it up. So I, my biggest concern with them is their shot making. I, I love Dylan Brooks in that about it in the playoffs Kind of way. I know he hasn't been a part of the team for most of the season, but I think that he's one of those guys, too, that last year against Golden State, like, you know, he's talking crap to Draymond and just there's a whole, and there's a whole, like, just a, a snarling, I love basketball to Memphis that I just adore, which is why they're kind of my adopted team for this year. But I just think, like, in those playoff moments where it comes down to your guys got a score their their best player is very small and like who's their second best shot maker for as good as jaron jackson jr is so much of that argument is he's so good on defense but i don't know like can, you you can't really give him the ball in a playoff like high level he's not a high level shot maker you know what i'm saying so i'm really curious yeah. mike like how you reconcile that
3: well so for, it does kind of co it does in one way it, it's hard to reconcile and that's that's part of the argument that i think that we're Aligned on with these kind of a teams, but for me, the other alignment is that I worry a little bit less about the shooting and the shot creation when a team has a certain kind of special defensive and transition and mm-hmm. mindset type vibe, which they do. But that's basically why I mentioned Luca or Jokic, right? As if they just go up against one of these guys and the games are going to be tight enough. And then Luka and Jokic are going to get them better shots. And, and same thing with Phoenix, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Same thing with Golden State, with Steph. Uh, and, and to an extent, I guess now you can almost put Poole in that secondary shot creator uh, type mode. But I I think that ja, that's why I mentioned that Ja and his health is the difference maker here. Because if he does come back healthy, he can at least get them in enough situations where he can either score himself or draw the attention and get somebody else an open look. And Bain has made a lot of progress to me as a guy who can also go uh, go get a shot. Again, not a, a primary shot like crossover fadeaway shot creator, but and they can always play Tyus Jones um, in those situations. Not a not again not a score. It, it sounds silly compared to Luca, but it, just in terms of two point like two creators on opposite sides of the court. That mm-hmm. I'm having to talk myself into it, which is which is to your point. But I just think they have so much else. With the defense, with the intangibles, with the heart, with the depth that that is typically better for the regular season. But I'm just I think that it's a little bit special, and I want to see it. Now you, I didn't pick them; I've got them tied sure. for fifth, you know. But I just I can't eliminate the chance.
2: I love it. The
4: arg- my pro Grizzlies argument is all around jaw, and I think that a secondary shot creator is great. But what you really need is a primary shot creator and John Morant, whether it's in transition or in the half court can create shots. He is that good. And the, the thing that differentiates him from other guards that are his size is that he is a true three level scorer, based off the fact that his floater is so good. And so most guys who get to the rim or who drive as much as he drives and finishes at the basket as much as he does, they are not able to play in that sort of 10 to 15 foot range and still be dynamic there as a threat. But he's got all those jump stops and reverse pivots and little floaters. And it's like, okay, well, this dude can get that shot. Whenever the hell he wants, and it doesn't matter if he's playing in a crowd. It doesn't matter if you go under screens on him. You need to then pack the paint in a way against him, and he is a good enough passer that it's like okay, well, the guys he's passing to, the Desmond Baines and the Dylan Brookses, and even the the like slow mo or De'Anthony Melton or like or Jaron Jackson. Right. Like these guys can hit open shots at a rate that is like, okay, well, they're going to make make you pay. Now, my argument against Memphis is I don't necessarily love their front court depth if it turns into a game where they're going to play small for extended periods. Right. Mm. Because ultimately Jaron Jackson Jr. can definitely play small ball center. Right. But after that, it's like, okay, well, who's the guy who's next to him? right and are you arguing for clark like like who is their next guy where it's like okay well this dude can be the it sounds dumb to say say this but the the markeith morris type in when the lakers had their run a dude who is super reliable who's gonna hit 38 percent of his threes defend hard and just be like a i'm not taking stuff off of the table Right. Because that dude is a critical piece when you talk about the ability to shapeshift and get through four rounds.
3: Well, no, I do think they have a couple options there. Now, one of them, it depends a little bit on how Kyle Anderson's jumper is falling, which is not, you know, been it's not been a strength in his career in this year. In fact, he shot 27 percent from three in March. Uh, Xavier Tillman kind of same issues. Clark. Not a shooter, but gives you a lot in the other ways. Uh, can you go like ultra small and play Zaire Williams some um, as a shooter? So they've got they've got options, but I think Darius is is right to point out that there isn't that one that you know for sure if you have to go to it in that context. Um, I, I do want to shout out DeAnthony Melton though because he's been ridiculous this year. He doesn't get enough credit. He's a, another one of those guys where he's not like a pure primary shot creator, but forty seven percent from three in March, forty seven percent overall. And is just I think a good player that it should get six man type discussion, as should Tyus Jones. But mm-hmm. Pete, you had classic a classic combo but- guard, Mike. No th- classic I mean, that's- combo guard.
2: Yeah. And that, that again, speaks to the the depth of their team that you were talking about, Mike. And um, one of the things I like about their depth is that their role players at specific positions are often dissimilar in the right ways or similar in the right ways. And so when you guys were talking about the front court and the center spot, we didn't even talk about Stephen Adams, right? And so we talk about those Goliath bigs, a big guy who's big and sturdy and strong. There ain't nobody stronger than Stephen Adams. And so if you need that tool, you have that. But you also have a Brandon Clark who could not be more different while playing the same position. And so certain circumstances will call for a Steven Adams more than a Brandon Clark, but also vice versa. And so I think that the ability to match up and shape shape shift is very much determined on that. My skepticism beyond the inexperience point with Memphis is I see – an individual play on offense is being in three segments normally. The And we've talked about this before, but the shot creation, the creating the advantage, extending the advantage, and then finishing. And sometimes you skip the part in the middle. Sometimes the same player that creates the shot finishes the shot, and there's none of that in the, in the middle. But there are different points in that chain where it can be broken. And one of the things that concerns me about Ja is it all comes down to me for, to his jump shot because I think that come playoff time teams that will be scheming against them are really going to pack the paint Dee, the way that you were talking yeah. about and going to make Ja prove that he can hit semi contested pull up jumpers you know that they're going to put length on him I think and give him space that's kind of the like formula from a coaching perspective of like who do you put on a guy like Ja and and if and so what that comes down to is where Memphis is really good offensively is when Ja can break them down or someone can break them down. And I think to Mike's point, they've like the freaking 23 without Ja. So like the idea that they can't do this should be challenged, but I just can envision a lot of playoff positions where a longish defender is sagging a little bit off of a Ja. And because there's not that, adva- that is the advantage creation, Mike, right? Like that, but that they limit penetration in a way that is more difficult to do when you're game planning a regular season game than for oh i got a seven game series against memphis
3: and unless they can flip the paradigm we always talk about how depth is not as important in the playoffs provided that you get health Mm, from your from your main guys and so what is dallas going to do they're going to play luca 40 minutes instead of 33 and memphis doesn't that's the one thing where i don't know for sure who their best eight players are because they have like eight guys that could qualify for that lower end of that you know, I know who yep. their best four players are, probably, and, and even how, you know, how I might start. But that's the difference between that playoff mix and and that's something I think that that again, that's why I would have them a little bit lower than some other teams. And it's hard. They they could maybe they can switch the paradigm around this year, but typically that's how it goes.
4: I think one of their most important players is gonna be Bain. Bane has made great strides this season. He's in the discussion for like most improved player right and he has some of that same quality that you were talking about that brooks has pete that idea of like i'm not scared y'all ain't shit to me Mm -hmm. right little muscle man looking dude who with his short arms and just jacking up threes and beating dudes off of the dribble wonderful player very young in his career but if you put length and size on jaw That means the small dude who would typically be on jaw has to guard someone else. Mm -hmm. And is that dude on Bane? Is he on Brooks? Is he on Anderson? And this is where, right? So one of those secondary guys who is not typically a shot creator is likely going to end up with a lesser defensive player on him based off of the idea that they need the target and neutralize or do as much as they can to neutralize jaw and that's where a player like bane and a player like brooks are going to become more important but a lot about the grizzlies here quick two minutes here one minute each where y'all at on who's your favorite between the suns and the bucks do you have a favorite
2: oof that's a good one i would go suns suns slightly over the bucks i think that they would miss pj tucker in that series there's a lot of story to be written between now and then so please this is not a a strong prediction or take but that is kind of where i'm at right now and i think that mike you always talk about attacks for being a defending champion it's really hard to repeat for a number of reasons it's one of the reasons why i would advocate Giannis in an mvp discussion and we'll have that discussion uh for a longer stretch but it, like it there's a good side and a bad side in terms of being the defending champ you can also argue that nothing's going to scare milwaukee and there's a certain amount of been there done that to them that you could argue that they have the advantage so i'm curious mike where you're at on the phoenix versus milwaukee
3: yeah i they're to me close enough where the factors that would make the difference are okay phoenix has been stewing on that loss for the entire year and mm-hmm. every single player in that roster if they get the bucks again if they were to match up, it's just other than Giannis who I can't be overcome mentally. I think that's the difference maker type thing. So Phoenix would get the nod in that sense, but that to me, it's more of a, who's healthier. Like can Chris Paul actually stay healthy through the four playoff rounds that need to happen? And, you know, he, he didn't stay healthy last year, but he was able to kind of get back to the point where he was okay with the shoulder and then he kind of ran out of gas. Well, you know, and their opponents the weren't healthy
2: either, right? Like th- their opponents were yeah. missing even more significant, you know, significant, figures themselves.
3: And they figured out how to deal with some of that, you know? So, but if they're, if they have a couple guys banged up and Milwaukee, doesn't then Milwaukee becomes a favorite. Like that's what happens when teams are close enough where, you know, we'll need basically the whole playoffs to break it down. But if I had to today to handicap it, and I think this is what anybody would do Vegas and so on is that you have to sort of, you can't ignore what you've seen from the entire regular season from Phoenix. Um, I just, I do think some of these factors that have given them an advantage are going to even out some, just like they they will with Memphis. And that's part of their, what their depth has been, what their health has been, their continuity, their team spirit from losing last year. Their, uh, all of those things get evened out usually as the playoffs go on. And so, I don't, yeah, I don't see them as a juggernaut, but I still have to acknowledge that they're the slight favorite. See, I'm going the other way. I get
4: all of that. Give me the team with the best player. Yeah. And when that best player is 6'11, seven feet, and built like a Greek god who actually is from Greece (laughs) and is as dominant as he is, and what's Phoenix's Achilles' heel to me is still that idea of like who is the power player who is going to take things away. Um, and if you're defend and if you're depending on on Aiden, I think that that's great. But if it's really if it really comes down to a battle between Yannis and Aiden and who I think is going to win out more often, I think it's going to be Yannis. Um, and on top of that, I still trust Drew Holiday's defense against one of the Suns' guards, right? Likely on Booker, since they don't have have Tucker. And if there's one player in the entire league, in the entire league now, who I think looks at a championship won last year and defending the championship as being as important as winning the first championship, I think that player is Giannis. I think that I that's him. that kobe mentality in the same way that booker carries himself in in a way that it that reminds of of kobe Giannis carries himself that same way within the competitive sphere of between the lines he is out to kill you yes. and whatever yes. whatever sort of motivation that you think is lost because i did something before no 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 he gets better that, that is motivation that is motivation gained to do the damn thing again. And so that's my case for the Bucks. I
2: love it. I love it. This was a lot of fun, guys. I think this is what we'll probably do in general is kind of hop around a little and then the conversation will make us zoom in on a team or two like we did with golden state and phoenix today a lot more to cover with the playoffs we'll be back at the beginning of next week exit interviews are on monday and so i think we're going to have a lot to cover lakers wise early next week and then we'll have the playoffs starting so really excited to kind of shift to a, a a different part of the season for us this was a lot of fun everybody have a great weekend we'll be back on monday you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time
4: the has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic, Worthy dies on his belly, Magic scores. And Magic, got it. Magic
1: fires, it's good, the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! three seconds left. That next for the winner, it. it's on the way, down! Tony Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, fast. There's the First, move. Two, going. one, missing. Brian! Unbelievably for the victory. It's over. And shot popping out of five. Bryant, Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.